here's a statement, okay? Very profound statement. Um, and it actually resonated with me a lot, so here we go. You avoid the things that stand in your way that frighten you at your own great peril. If you cower from them in silence, or you turn away seeking security, even or even sensible security, you violate the principles of your own strength. And if you violate the principles of your own strength, you become weak, and if you become weak, there is no security. You live longer in terror. What are your thoughts? Very deep and meaningful. I, I always do so well with deep and meaningful quotes. I know you do. You're full of them. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Um, look, this was actually something that I had mirrored in my own journey and in many other people's journey. And I actually want to throw this back to another podcast I did a few years ago where we were asked about what makes uh, great competitors or what elements I would, you know, if I could help someone become a competitor or at least face the challenges of jiu-jitsu better, what would it mm. be? And all the way back then I said that the ability to go beyond what you believe possible is paramount. And it's actually one of the biggest gifts that we get to give people as Jiu-Jitsu instructors. One of the best examples this we have was we used to do a thing called Hell Day during the kids' competition team camp. So these are all state level, national level champions. We get them for five days, six hours a day. And for one of those days, uh, we went in with the intention of just causing as much physical suffering as possible. It was crazy, crazy stuff. It got so out of hand we had to write certificates for the kids because parents wouldn't believe the things we would make them do. And the kids would go home all excited and like, I can't be, and they'd get really upset. Yeah. Yep. So it would start with, we would do things like, okay, well, we didn't know what the limit was. So I was like, what sounds impossible? Let's just do 500 squats, 500 push-ups, 500 burpees. Go. And then they'd go, I can't do that. And I was like, I don't think you can either, but let's, <laughs> but let's find out. Then they did, it yeah. only took like an hour. And I was like, hold on, I got six. Do it again. Oh, that's definitely impossible. Well, we were wrong the first time. Let's just try it. We tried it again. Then they did a thousand. Then they, we got to the point where we were doing like 2,000-ish reps of yeah. all the activities. And it'd take them like an hour, hour and a half, two hours. And the parents were like, there's no way my kid yeah. did, like they're tired, they're not that tired. That's not doing reports. And then we started going, well, how far does this go? Because imagine we've had these kids with us for seven years. You do that every school holidays, four times a year. Mm. They're gonna get used to it. Yeah. Uh, it got to the point where two years ago we had to stop doing exercise in class because we have a two hour normal during the yeah. week class and it would take too long to make them tired because uh -huh. they were so used to these stupidly vo high volumes. That then you'd go, okay guys, we're gonna, uh, Professor Pedro, my professor, who yeah. isn't always here for the kids' vision class, came in one day and they were mucking about. So he goes, guys, we're gonna do 200 push-ups," And all of them went, oh, okay. Oh wait, that, that's a lot. Oh no, 200, <laughs> no! Because for them, at that point, it becomes so easy. Yeah. But that always starts with the foundation of what they think is possible, mm -hmm. and then learning to go past that. Once then you are constantly used to this idea of no matter what the challenge is, I can like, clear, if I can do 2,000, 4,000 not that far off, honestly. Like it's in your head, the mindset changes. Yeah. That's what built for them that security in their physical strength and fitness. And now any challenge they have moving forward, they already have the belief they can rise to it because they've seen themselves rise to it over more and more impossible odds. Yeah. If at any point they start lying and go, as an example, yeah. oh, <clears throat> I have asthma, I can't breathe. I'm not saying asthma's not real, don't get me wrong, but it is a very common excuse kids will use when they're just unfit. Yeah. That kid now never gets to 5,000 because if he does it at 40 or 50 or 100 or 500 or 1,000, mm. he will keep doing it at every opportunity he gets Completely. to avoid that pain. Yeah. You get what I mean? Yeah. It, don't get me wrong, it is painful. We used to, I used to call this trauma training. Painful. Yeah. Uh, but that's part of that security that it builds. Myself in Jiu-Jitsu, there was one thing that I always used to do where once I started seeing some success in competition, I wanted to make sure it was robust. So for example, I could mm. get a gold medal against you know the same opponents of my weight class, uh, and I'm like, that's gonna naturally happen. Someone is gonna train the most, someone's gonna have the most aptitude for that period. Yeah. Over a year, it's very hard to hold, but over like six months, it's doable. But can I do it when I'm hungry? Can I do it when I'm cutting weight? Can I do it when I'm tired? Can I do it when I'm injured? Can I do it when I'm mentally strained? Can I do it when I'm trying a new technique? And then we went around trying to prove each point. Because of course, if I go to the World Championships, it's very easy for me to make an excuse and go, oh, but I was tired. I was jet lagged. I was hungry. I didn't eat that well that day. Something went wrong. And because of that, my delicate little pyramid fell apart and I couldn't perform. Yeah. Right? 
<clears throat> Competition is a very extreme <clears throat> sense of that, but it does bring forward the idea if you want to do something, you need to be able to do it under a robust set of circumstances. Yeah. So if now to compare this to, let's say, someone who's just started training. Yeah, I was about to say white belts. Exactly. 100%. Beginners, zero stripe, one stripe, two. People in their first 12 months of training. Yeah. There's a lot of things that you will not believe to be possible or you'll be scared of or you'll be doubtful of and that'll seem bad. And that's very natural, right? Oh, I'm never going to be as good as the blue belts. Is We've all thought that, right? Like, oh man, they just seem so good. The black belts, the brown belts, they just towel us up. No way. But through consistently doing things that we think we can't do, we're able to build what we are able to do. And that builds us our security. Mm. For example, I am very confident now that I'm not going to quit jiu-jitsu. Because I've done a lot of things and I was like, hey, if that ever happened, I'd quit. If I yeah. ever broke an arm training, I'd quit. Mm. If mm. I ever lost the sixth world championship attempt in a row, I'd quit. Yep. If I couldn't compete for six months or train for six months, I'd quit. Mm. And throughout all of those hurdles, I have continued to keep training. And that has shown to me, I don't think there's a lot left in my life that's going to, like, there's not a lot left that's going to stop me now from training if I've lasted yeah, it. Yeah, you've already reached that threshold. Now you begin to experiment and see other things happen. Exactly. This is no longer a thought process. Exactly. You've gone past it. But the thing that happens with beginners, especially adults, is those reasons, and I'm going to say reasons because it's very, I would say, like, diminishing to say excuses. I don't want to say that people, like, they come here within their head, like, yeah, I just, I can't be bothered. No, no. In their head, they've built a story, they've built their reality. What's well, like you said, they only got to 50 squats. Exactly. That was when they were younger, they've already got these hurdles in their Ex head. It's pre it's carried across. Exactly. So when I start, for example, same thing. I. Uh, I actually have a record. Record. I have lots of records in high school and primary school. I was, this one's my favorite. I did the beep test, the physical assessment. You yeah. run backwards and forwards, la, la, la. And then the teacher would pull out this chart and they would say, based on your number, here's what percentile you're in. You're the top 1%. You're in, and then like, you know, there's the super fit, elite level, then there's fit, uh, okay, unfit, etc. The last column, physically disabled. We're talking amputees. <laughs> I... I ran the equivalent of like <laughs> 90 meters. <laughs> and most of it's like walking pain. The first, like, yes. yeah, I was walking and then oh, I did like 40 minutes of jogging. I fell off, asthma attack, and vomited. Oh, that's good for your confidence. I'm not asthmatic. Mm. I could I was shuddering on the ground, and the teacher's like, this literally puts him in like wheelchair level. Oh. His body's just not used to it. But so, now. Exactly, right? Some people would say an athlete. But when I came some in. Some people to, would. So when I come into jiu-jitsu, I didn't come in with the mindset of, oh, I can become a national champion. Yeah. I came in with, Psh, I can't do anything here. Like, these guys are all so much stronger than me ever. Mm -hmm. I've never been strong, I've never been fit. I can't do anything here. Yeah. And that's where then, okay, we have that fear, right? And our peril, the peril being, you're gonna lose. It's gonna feel uncomfortable. It's gonna suck. Mm -hmm. It's gonna be horrendous. But if we shy away from that, we're gonna shy away at the next opportunity. At the same time, I'm telling all my students, guys, you gotta face the fear, you gotta face that problem. Just face it. Because at the worst case, the worst case is you fail, and now you know what you're up against. But if you don't even attempt it, you will never know. If you go to a competition, I guarantee you, you could sit and imagine what a competition is like for as long as you like. You will never be close to actually getting into an arena with another person and having a competitive experience. You're not going to be able to guess that. No. Right? Even, oh, I can think of what Jiu-Jitsu is going to be like. I've seen all the videos. I've watched all the documentaries. I've watched people train. Mm. Not even close to being in there yourself. No. And that's then where you've kind of shied away with your fear. You've created a sense of security for yourself, right? Oh, I didn't, you know, I don't need to ask for the raise. I don't need to go to training. I don't need to go to the competition because, you know, oh, I don't want to face that mm. for whatever reason, yeah. right? But then at the end of the day, what you're not building is security. You're not building confidence in yourself. You're not building your own ability. Mm. You're instead, almost like you said, covering yourself in a blanket and avoiding the problem. Yeah. Now, of course, for some people, that might be the thing they need in their journey. I'm not saying everyone should go around now and just compete immediately. That's not quite what I'm getting at. Heck no. But we need to be aware of which perils we're facing and if we're facing them at all. I wonder always, because I'm very self-reflective, I had to learn that at a younger age. It took me a long time. But that self-reflection, I don't know if a lot of people do that, mm. right? A lot of people stay away from self-reflection. Hence why we potentially go and we pay professionals to 
ask the right questions so that we can then confront certain thought processes. Mm. So a lot of what happens on the mats is very confronting. You, you, you get smacked with a problem and you see where you're weak and you brush it off as, oh, this is why I'm weak or this is, this is what it was and it's not. I mean, there's something else at the root cause, potentially. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but we don't want to sit on the end of our bed and actually question, okay, what is it? Where am I at? Okay, do I want to keep going and confront this or am I happy with retreating? Or, in my case, it was always this thing of, um, and I'm a, this is very transparent with you, but I'm <clears throat> working in a job where if I <laughs> damage my elbow or my arm, I then can't make coffee, which means I can't work, I then can't pay rent. So I'm not looking to roll and put myself in that, but if it was full-time contract, and I could take two weeks off because I've got a holiday and sick leave. Hey, let's go. I'm on this. But there was always that thing of I'm going to work to get a job. Then that job gives me security. And that security means I can go harder in this area. Yeah. But then once I go harder, I can guarantee once that starts, I'm going to be confronted with a whole lot of other things. Mm. You yeah. know, that's, part of, your journey, that's right? part of my journey, but I'm aware of it. Mm. I'm, I'm aware of it, aware there, there. I'm aware of it because that's what I do day in and day out. I'm always questioning and thinking, but how do we help those people who might not? Well, that's the thing. It's, it's, I don't think it's necessarily the self-awareness because everyone is able to look inside. The able. issue is, it's real. like the uh, great quote, I, I hope I'm getting it right, is the longer you stare into the abyss of yourself, mm. it starts to stare back. Yeah. It's a very... Uh, it's Doctor Who shit right there. I don't know. It's very prying, so to speak. Like, it's not... Because I don't want to, like, make someone feel shamed here, like, oh, am I just being soft and not looking further into myself? Man, I had to go... I, sometimes it's not in your upbringing. It wasn't for me personally yeah. in my upbringing to look in. It took an amazing partner four or five years... That's what it takes. ...and therapy and a yeah. lot of crying for me to get to a point where I can now realise oh, this wasn't something I did before. Not even that I'm good at it. Just no. noticing, oh, this wasn't there when I was 15, 16, 17. Yeah. And in that sense, it's not something that I think people, like when, when people say you should be doing it, it's not like you're a bad person if you're not. No. But it is going to help you quite a bit. At mm. least I think so. Like you said for yourself, it helps you align yourself pretty well with what actually makes you happy. In your case, this is what I need, this is what I want to do, I'm going to go for it. In my case, it was pretty simple. Uh, I was willing to forego just about everything else for yeah. Jitsu. Yeah. Uh, it's just my personality in general, I'm very all in. Wow. And one of the big things that I really liked about it, I was actually just talking to my partner about this, was everyone usually tells you, you know, have a balance, be moderated, don't go all in, don't be so intense, la la. Mm. It's, you know, it's risky. For example, cutting. Of course it's risky. Uh, I started Jitsu in my first six months, I did a competition where I cut 11 kilos in nine days. <laughs> my brain was just thinking about the math. I was like, what? Yeah. That's not safe. Like, no, no. As in, like, I almost passed out in the first fight. Like, I was horrendous. It was bad. Uh, and to make it worse, I was, like, sleep-deprived because I decided to have, like, go to a party that I before. I was a moron. <laughs> right? But I went all out across the board, and I've done a lot of things like this where you probably shouldn't have done it health-wise. Yeah. But now, eight years down the line, ten years down the line, where I've kind of had a lot of time to go through my phases, etc., I asked my partner, what's the downside? Like, as my partner has seen me the most, what is the downside to me being this intense person? Because she's all about moderation and balance. Yeah. And of course, I see the upside to that. Consistency is amazing, that sort of stuff. But what is the downside to me going all in on something? Yeah. Um, it, it may ostracize other people. Well, if I'm going all in, I'm not really fussed about what other people think. So anything else? Um, it may have taken miles off your life. Mm, Look, mm. maybe, but I'm also all in on my recovery. I'm also all in on my think health. Short term, if you did it year after year after year and you didn't learn from it, Ex exactly. Then if it becomes I didn't an eating learn disorder from it, or something. But you know? I'm also all in on making sure I actually you get recover. something out of it. You, yeah, yeah. And now you know sense, better as well. And in that sense, it kind of hit me that a lot of people that I meet have kind of been sold on this idea of like, you know, you got to moderate, you got to be like, one of the big right. things people ask, how many times a week should I train? That's one of the big ones. And it yeah. really reflects to me this sort of quote to me. Like, I don't want to, you know, burn out, I don't want to push too hard. There's peril there. And I tell all of them the same thing and they all hate it. 
Uh, if you want to come to training, you come. And then when you don't want to, don't. Yeah. Like that's, that that was, puts the emphasis back on them, which I think in this modern, I'm not going to, this is hard. This is hard, a hard thing to say. But don't like, say this generation. Don't you this generation, no, I was going to say this, um, oh, what would you call it? Not generation. Era? People work, they're told what to do, they have the parameters of their job. Oh, they're right, not yeah. self-governing yeah, yeah. to an extent. Mm. Do you know what I mean? They have their schedule, they stick to it. God help you if you kick them out of that lane and they go, ah, mm. no, let me back in, let me back in. Well, everyone likes their comfort zone, right? Yeah. Exactly. And um, therefore, when you say to them, you want to come? Come. You don't? Don't. It's kind of, I don't know how to take that. Are you no, being of threatening? Are you being mean? Because people get really confused in the sense <laughs> of like... really confused. Because then the next question they ask me, and it always baffles me, they're like, but what if I want to come every day? <laughs> Well, that's a great, like, this isn't a problem. This why, is awesome. Why are we trying to manage? What if I don't want to come? Then you probably don't sign up. Like, probably don't do jiu-jitsu. If you, never, if you do your first class and you go, this sucks, mm. I'm not going to tell you you should be coming three times a week for the next two years, and that's going to give you, doesn't matter. You don't want to be here. I think something that might help, this is just spitballing, that question of, what if I came every single day? It's like, what are you really asking? Are you saying, like, what should you do in terms of your energy levels, i.e. I'm going to go hard on Monday and then they come and they go, yo, I'm really sore. Hey, cool, come to class. I'm going to make sure you line up with this person. I want you to focus on your, you know, a little bit higher right now. This person's just started. How about you spend today's class just focusing on maybe directing and yep. working um, with them. You take it easier. This is the thing. They want to know that stuff. This is the thing. And this is where that quote comes important. Because at your own peril, even sensible security. Yeah. You're sore. Should you chill out? Yeah. Now, yeah. of course, in your head, if I tell someone, oh, don't worry, like, there are different things when you're sore, you come in, you can take it easy all up. All they're gonna hear is, oh, when I'm sore, training no good. <laughs> so what do yeah. they do? No training. Yeah. Because training no good. So in my head, great. Like, whatever parameters you already have in your head, whatever, you know, set of rules, oh, when mm. I'm sore, like, you know, gym goers have their, they know their body. When I'm sore, I don't go, when I, this and that, whatever. Yeah. But I'm telling you now, if you like jujitsu, yes, no, go to training. <laughs> yeah. You like it, yes, go. If you don't like it, don't. Yeah. That is the only thing. Past that, your body will adapt. Your oh, mind does. will adapt. But yeah. you just don't think it's possible to do yet. Yeah. Like, for, I remember for my entire first, uh, let's say, three years of training, I was told continuously by everyone, man, you're overtraining, you're pushing too hard, yeah. you're burning the candle both ends. Don't do this, it's a bad idea, la la. Now, of course, there were absolutely things that I were doing yes. that were not sustainable and I was blowing myself out. Yeah. None of them were training. As no, an example. it was the other things, like the... Recovery, like I went to Worlds, I, it was my first year, I believe, as a blue belt. Mm. And I got massive amounts of anxiety, I'd had panic attacks, and people were saying, see, you're overtraining. No. After having six years, like rounds of this happening, every year I realized, I'm training after Worlds, at the exact same intensity, if yeah. not harder. And what I'm, was it at Wells that was causing that anxiety? anxiety. Me putting the pressure on myself of, if I, I want to, I got to win. I used to say this line when I was a blue belt, if I want to be the best blue belt in the world, I have to be able to beat every purple belt in this gym. Hmm. And of course, once, again, you stop looking at yourself and your own you start looking yeah. outward, I'm going to compare myself to purple belts. That's yeah, a horrible that. idea. Yeah. But the issue there wasn't the training, it was my mindset. Yes. There was another time where I was doing, a, I would work full-time, train, full-time training is like 20, you can't really train 40, but you know, full-time training, full-time work, full-time university. Huh. The issue here is not the training, it's that I'm sleeping three hours a day. Yes, yes. You know what I mean? You're like, not recovering properly. There's no priority at all. There was another <coughs> period where um, it was the first time I had to like cook and prepare food for myself. So I say cook, I bought everything out. I found a great little uh, Chinese place on the corner, does yeah. takeaway, $5 boxes, rice and like meat. Yeah. Now you can guess if it's $5, I'm essentially just having textured vape juice, yeah. but still. Your tummy's full. Yeah, I did that for two, uh, two meals a day, lunch and dinner, <laughs> two meals a day, every day for two months. Oh no, I can't train. I'm getting injured, I'm getting sick. Yeah. What's going on? It wasn't the training. No, you see that. It was everything else. And this is where it kind of made me realize over the years, 
when people in their head have like, oh, but what happens if I train every day? It's because they're thinking like, I've done something like this, I have all these negative outcomes. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, but if I'm as a coach, I develop a room where the culture doesn't put pressure on those who want to try to succeed. We're just like proud of them for attempting, Yeah. right? We've got dietetic professionals, we've got health professionals, gym professionals. We have every single professional you could need to be a pro athlete in this gym. We do. Right? We have dietitians, qualified dietitians. We've got connection with sport dietitians. We have a sport physio like 100 meters down the road. We have two physios in the gym. We have a medical center across. Right the, it's there. two steps past it. our door. There is not a single medical professional that you could need mm. outside of this realm. <laughs> so, just keep going to training. Yeah. Just keep going. And there's a lot of, of course, people, oh, I got injured, la la. In this sense, even injury, honestly, there are, in my head, injuries mm. that, like, man, you cannot train. If you train, it's going to make it worse. Great. But then there are boo boos. There are ouchies, and ouchies, man, I had one I was training on Sunday, and we both went for a takedown, his knee smashed into my quad, Yeah. right? And I could barely stand, it was really hard to take away. The muscle. The muscle, right? But I now, of course, 10 years experience, know the difference. Yeah. You have to take some risks, because I did some bone on bone, and kept training, and ooh, that's not getting better, of course, but I know now, anything that pretty much has an impact on my muscle, um... I feel like I'd be screaming in pain if it was broken, and it's 100%. not, so it's probably just a muscle. This will probably stop. Like Coach Wilson, a great example. I was training with another coach here, I landed on his arm, yeah. and he goes, I think you just fractured my arm. Yeah. And both of us, very at about this conversation, we went, let's have a look. Um, that hurts a little. Does it turn? No, what does it hurt, eight out of 10? I, I feel like you'd know if it was broken, if you could, like, because the bones cross yeah, over. Yeah, that I should be fine. I think that's just a muscle. He finished that session, did an ice bath, came the next day. Yeah, you're all right. Yeah. But it's the fact that you've built that. Level of security because we haven't shied away from the peril. Yeah. Right? And in that sense, that's where it gets very, very good. Now, of course, there's a line. Say, if we, Coach Wilson and I both stopped training for injuries. We've both done it. So there yeah. is a line where you go, this is now where we get to like, I can no longer train again. And also it's the longevity. You're yeah. looking at the future instead of the here and now. Exactly. And you've got to balance both. Correct. Sometimes you've got to be in the here and now. And for each person, that's a different equation. Yeah. And that equation Very will change much. over time. When I was younger, I was willing to break an arm. Like I've, I've, I remember I had the thought, my first four years, four times, I was in competition, in a submission, and I remember going, I'm completely willing to let this break to get this win. Mm. Now, no. nope. Because no, I, I did, I let it break once, mm. right? What a great national title Woo! it was. Woo, yeah, cool. But... But my God, did the three months after that suck? Yeah. Right. And then guess what? Next comp comes along. Yeah, next comp. And, and you're not ready. Exactly. Right. And of course, I absolutely understand this. So for some people, like, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to say here, go out and break your arms in competition. No. But there is definitely a line above what you are currently comfortable doing that is probably fine. Yeah, always. Right. I like most people in here. Like, oh, I'm sore, so I took the day off. Yeah. Not really a reason. Like, in my head, it's not really quite... A, and of course, each person is their own personality. For me, if you're looking to maximize what you get out of this journey and you want to get consistent mm. and you want to build the values and the growth that hopefully you signed up to do for over a 10-year period, stopping training for any, re- any reason that isn't severe injury or like severe illness, mm. it's not really worth it. If you look like over the time, not really worth it. Because a great example, I was sore. Okay, come to training. What are you worried about? Oh, I'm worried if I'm sore, I'm not going to do that well. You're worried about losing. Yeah. Let me tell you now, you're going to lose you're anyway. You're going to lose anyway. Yeah. But if you're sore, I mean, it's, it's, guess what? If you're sore, you come to training, the next day you're actually going to warm your body up and you're going to actually pump blood and you're going to actually potentially be less sore because you didn't just Sit wait there and, and do stop. Nothing. But even if you aren't less sore, what's the you're problem? You're building up strength. Yeah, what's like, the problem? Because it like... A, a what's very, the underlining problem? Exactly. I don't want to lose. Yeah. That's fine. Train with me every day for two weeks you'll lose regardless. Does it fresh or not, it's not gonna make a difference, right? Yeah. So why would we let that limit us now? The whole point of it is we constantly have to lose and learn and adapt, myself included, right? I lose a lot here. Question for you after Go this. For it. So say, what's the one thing that you would say to someone who has never done jujitsu who's interested? I.e., all of that stuff we just talked about, if you were to paint a picture of this is what a these are the things that are going to confront you. Not just, you know, the personal stuff, because like we said, each person is individual, it's all different, their road is different. But what are those common things 
you're gonna get tired, you're gonna get frustrated, you're gonna get this. Mm. And we highly recommend you realize what? I will chuck you, I think it's another Jordan Peterson quote. Oh, there we go, another quote. Goddamn psychologists. Uh, I wanna write this shit down. How we, what I would tell to every other person as to why they should do jiu-jitsu, how you do one thing is how you do everything. Mm-hmm. And jujitsu should force you to confront something. And force you to confront something in one place in your life, that should transfer over to other places in your life as well. Yeah. For me, because it's always good to be personable, I started this because I wanted to be able to stand in front of my dad. It might sound strange to a lot of people. Maybe a lot of people will be like, yeah, I want to stand in front of my dad as well. And he's a wonderful man. But I hadn't seen him in almost 20, gosh, like 20 something odd years. And then suddenly he came to Sydney, we caught up. I said what I needed to say and we had just a cool two hour period. And now we're talking a lot more than we have in a very long time. But I thought, what can I do in a martial arts world that is going to actually teach me how to stand up strong and actually hold my ground and just be cool. Not because my father is a person who dominates, not at all, but he's a seventh dan or an eighth dan in Aikido. You know, he was one of the heads of Aikido Australia and I just went, oh, martial arts, I don't wanna go near you. And something in my head kind of said, oh, I have to try and match him. And then as soon as I started training here, all that left. Within the first three or four weeks, I kind of discovered, oh, I actually am confident enough without this, but it took me actually coming here to realize it. Mm. But then I really did enjoy it. So now I really enjoy this. Um, And again, I love my dad, he's incredible. He's a nice guy, he's doing what he does, God bless him. But I had insecurities that needed to be addressed and I, again, I knew what I needed to do, which was come and see if this would work, and it did. I tried Krav Maga, all that stuff, you know? And I just went, that's not for me. Came here and it all worked out really well. But, key point, a lot of healing has happened because Mm. of that. Mm. Mm. Like really big time, which I knew I needed, but I didn't know how to get get it until I stepped into that yeah, yeah, that worried place, that 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 fear. I'm really glad you actually it. brought that up because <clears throat> I actually had a similar journey. Not so much in like the sense of the father, but for me it was the reason I said I've done I want to say like ten martial arts in my mm-hmm. life. I was very big on martial arts as a kid. I didn't really like any of them, and I remember before jujitsu, my last biggest stint was uh, boxing and muay thai. It was five years. Yeah, and I quit them both to do jujitsu uh, full time. And I remember thinking I always wanted to be like a ninja turtle. And I, my parents used to, they used to tell me I used to be a Ninja Turtle when I was like six, I said I wanted to be a Ninja Turtle. They couldn't figure out what it meant. And I think now, my parents are both immigrants, they both work stupidly hard. Yeah. My God, it's hard to keep up. And I think I always wanted to show that I was like strong, I was like enduring. I wasn't just some like, you know, uh, spoilt, yeah. you know, who was give, a kid who was given everything in their life and they didn't have to work for it. I yeah. wanted to show that I could fight. But they wanted me to show that through academics. Yeah. And I personally, with my you know, composition, my mental health, really struggled with academics. I knew I could do more, mm. but I just knew that it, academics isn't quite it. I can't show how much I'm willing to fight with this. Then I found jiu-jitsu, and it was the first time I was like, man, I'm fighting. I'm fighting. I'm fi-. And I get to show that fight. Right? It wasn't about fighting someone. No. It wasn't about trying to overcome someone. It was definitely about, for me, I wanted to show that I could endure. And Professor Pedro was very good at mm. letting me build that skill. Yeah. And I think that's why that quote hits so close to home for me. Yep. Because my entire premise for starting was to show myself that I could endure hardship. Yeah. Which means every hardship I saw was an opportunity to prove myself right. Again like and I, again and again. I, I wasn't looking to shy away from things. Like the idea of like, oh, slow down, stop. No, you don't get why I'm here. I'm here to mess stuff up. Dude, my f- second class, I remember um, I, I dislocated my arm and both my knees in the first three classes of jiu-jitsu because we, and passed out because the coach showed us a rear naked and I remember ge- genuinely, 17, 16 year old, I was super arrogant, shows a rear naked and I go, hands up, uh, sorry sir, could you show it again? And I remember thinking, that doesn't work. 
I did Muay Thai for five years, but let me tell you, uh, best way to knock someone out, hit him in the chin. That, that's not do. I would just flip them. Yeah, right. And I, I would just flip them over. It's just not going to work. I just start elbowing him. So then I go, hey, first of all, could you come over here? And it was in my Muay Thai gym. So the culture of the gym was also kind of like, yeah, yeah we're all Muay Thai guys. Is, is better. Exactly. This is a joke, whatever. But we left the professor do his class once a week. Mm-hmm. So then I was like, hey, could you do it on me? But I just won't tap. And I wanted to defend. And he goes, no. <laughs> I'll be able to check you out. Like, no, 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 you're not. Let me tell you right now, Trap. You're not choking me out. Put me in it. Refused. So then I went to the, like, the live training at the end and then just didn't tap and then let someone get their choke so I could get out yeah. and then passed right out. <laughs> right out. <laughs> I learned a lesson that Learned a lesson. Same thing. No, no. It kept going. Next day, Umba. One that breaks your arm. Yeah. And I was like, that's not going to work. <laughs> Whoop, do it. Arm pops. And of course, I'm hyper flexible, so it's not as big of a punishment for me, but it still sucked. Yeah. Arm goes out, arm goes back in. Ooh, yikes. Okay. Mm. And then there was another safety one where my legs gave out, etc. Yeah. And for me, that was me trying to show, like, first, okay, is this even worth enduring? If this isn't harder than Muay Thai, what's the point? Yeah. Oh, this is harder than Muay Thai, at least in my brain back then. Because, you know, mm. we weren't doing a lot of, like, competition rounds. No one's getting You're knocked out. You're not sparring, out. literally going 100%. Yeah, no one's getting knocked out. But yeah. this one's like, oh, I don't have to go to this, like, special events class for there to be potential for damage. You can do it straight away. Now, but I can also safely tap out. Yes. This is good. So I don't have to break to get broken. Mm. Same way in Muay Thai, you have to get knocked out. You can't just like, oh, I'm close. Can I stop now? No, you're expected to keep going until you're on the floor unconscious. Yeah. So I really liked that. But then it gave me the opportunity, okay, this is worth enduring. How many different ways can I endure this? Yeah. And then, of course, the excuses came in. I'm too small. I'm too light. I'm yeah. too skinny. I'm too weak. I'm too dumb. Keep going. How can I do this? Can I endure this? Can I endure this? Can I endure this? And every single one slowly goes away. Then eventually you start winning. And this is where I think a lot of people misinterpret the journey. Because they go, oh, once you start winning gold medals, that's when it all goes away. No. Oh, no, no, no. Can you do it again? That's the first. You win your first gold medal, do it again. <sighs> Can you win open weight? That, yeah. That's, I'm 80, 70 kilos. That's impossible. They're 110. Yeah. Did I stutter? Yeah. Man, one of my favorite fights is a... Uh, I don't know if he still competes now, but it was a 115-kilo judo blue belt. Mm-hmm. And I was a 72-kilo judo blue belt. And my goal that year was to win open weight. That's all I wanted to do. Now, remember, I'm skinny, I'm weak, I'm yeah. light, I have no background in fitness. I am pumping as hard as I can. Try, and people are like, dude, just win your weight category. I'm like, no, 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 no. I've done that one. That's no longer an endurance. I want to endure and try to get the big boy. And there was one time, I remember, I tried to get behind him. And he grabbed my head on one side of his body and my legs on the other side of his body uh-huh. and like stretched and twisted me out. Yeah. And he like pulled out half of my back, took me like two weeks to get back to training. Yeah. The next time I fought him, I beat him. Hey. But in my head, I remember these moments where I had the choice. This is looking real hard. Yeah. Like reasonable safety would have been, reasonable security would have been, bro, you're getting injured. Stop. Like it's not worth the injury. Right? Just, just stop right there. <clears throat> but... but. If I'm willing to endure that, don't get me wrong, the injuries kind of stopped. Like, they just didn't come back. Yeah. It's still a risk, but I had to have felt it once to have known what I was getting into. Of course, as I said earlier, everyone's going to have their own journey, and as a coach especially, because based on what I'm saying right now, you'd expect me to be some drill sergeant in class, like, just shut up and go fight people. Not at all. I very much understand that everyone has their own journeys, and I know that I could not have gotten to where I am now unless someone coddled me a little bit for the first two years. I was very delicate and raw at the start. But that doesn't mean that the end goal wasn't building towards a position where, you get what I mean? There comes that little moment where it stops being body coddling. Exactly, and that's where I think my professor was very good at using belts and stripes, because the things like you inherently want, and like there was one, I remember uh, I used to only play guard, and it was because it was comfortable and I could submit people from there and that's what made me feel like a big strong man when I was a 17 year old boy. Okay. And then he goes, the second you get your blue belt, I'm gonna, he goes, I believe in you, but usually he doesn't do the reverse, but he goes, one, guard parson. Yeah. Start that journey. And I was like, but I hate guard parson. I despise it. Mm. Yeah, that's the point. Yeah. Then all of a sudden the same things, the guys that I, the aggressive guys that I'd learned to deal with with my guard, now are aggressive again because I mm. can't hold them when I'm on top. And you get smashed and smashed and smashed yeah. and it sucks and you're like, oh, but I really want that blue belt. But I really want that stripe, but I really, like, and it gives you that goal. As the coaches, we're trying to guide you along a path so that you are complete 
that you are a complete fighter that can do everything in jiu-jitsu. You can take down, you can hold people down, you can be held down and defend yourself. Those are all important skills. Mm. But you need to be able to do all of them and not just stay with what's comfortable to you when you first start. And that's a very big thing that I think is a good indication. Because at the end of the day, aggressive partners are gonna be part of it no matter where you go, right? Oh, in, always. In all part of life, right? You're at work, there's gonna be an aggressive coworker. You're in, even in your family, you probably have someone that's overbearing and intense. Yeah. And in some places you're willing to fight, some places you're not. And this is a perfect place to practice building up your confidence. <clears throat> exactly. Because out in the real world, could sometimes just snap and just that valve just pops and you say something or you do something that you regret whether it be a partner a family or at work mm. and it's not you it just it became too much but at least here you build you get more confident suddenly that same moment comes and instead it's effortless to say what you need to say well this is the big thing that uh, a lot of people I think maybe miss, but jiu-jitsu is one of the most stressful yeah. physically and emotionally things you can do in the sense that the downside is you get choked out. People kind of want to skip, like, oh, you can tap. It's still not pleasant. No, it sucks. The second they get it on, you like, in a second. Yeah, there, it's, like, there's definitely a moment of suffering involved Especially in that. Especially if they're neck cranking. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not fun. But then what in life is that scary? Yeah. Oh, no, someone's yelling at me. Let me tell you. That's okay not as bad as getting choked out. No. This is great. And it does definitely kind of remove that threat. Like there's a very big thing that I used to be worried about uh, was I was very sensitive to the idea of like a threat of violence. So like when I got yeah. in a confrontation, I was like, oh crap, if this guy starts swinging. Um, what uh, am I gonna do? Uh, ah. Yeah, and it really paralyzes you. And now after the boxing, if the guy starts swinging, oh cool. Like, not that they say like win or hurt or anything, but just, I am so much more accustomed to that element of life now yeah. because I've been surrounded by it for five years. Yeah. Same with jiu-jitsu. Oh no, what if this guy's not trying to do anything crazy? Okay, cute. Anyway, back to the yelling. Like, it's, yeah. it's horrible. We've had situations here where people have had people break into their homes. Mm. And they were having a lunch with their family, someone broke in. It was like a nephew or whatever, someone there, got off their head going nuts, screaming, abusing everyone. And then the person walks over, puts them on the floor and held them down mm. for like eight minutes. <laughs> that sort of confidence, yeah. right? is something that absolutely translates anywhere else. Everything. Hostility is now Everything. just less hostile Completely. because you're used to dealing with aggression. And it's not even, I'm just saying this for anyone that might be listening, it's not aggression or, okay, now I know I can beat the crap out of you, mm. and you do, like that's what you decide. Like it's not meet violence with violence, it's, it teaches you that most of the time when you stand your ground and you just give a look and you say, I'm present right now, you want to continue on this road, it's going to tell people, oh, okay, I, I might just not do this. It takes away the power of their threat. But then when you do instigate mm. violence, well, then hey, it's just going to be no, a magnet. People are going to come. Exactly. You, you don't aim for that. No, no. But, but suddenly you find the confidence. It's a know? lot like uh, with uh, wild animals where they charge uh, the safari. <sighs> they just, and they just stand there because they know that the th if my threat of violence is not scaring you, you must be an ant, like you must be a beast. I saw, this is just terrifying. I watch a thing called Nature is Metal. Mm, oh, there's a rhino going at an elephant. Yep. And the elephant's tusk went straight into the side of the rhino. He just pushed slowly into oh. the rhino. Oh God. And then the rhino got up and just walked away. And oh. The tusk was about probably half a meter deep inside. Okay, happy ending at least. Happy ending, the rhino, rhino walked away and the elephant kind of just stood there like, oh, I don't even know what that was. Yeah. <laughs> they probably can't see. I'm joking, but like, my lord. Don't stand your ground, run. That's all I'm saying. No, <laughs> no don't that's, stand your exactly. ground. And it that's, is. I think what people miss is once you take away the power of threat, like the most disarming thing to, uh, I think I heard was uh, when people are looking for mugging victims, they asked criminals what they look for. And they were saying like weird things like, oh, the way their footsteps and la la la. Yeah. And the analysts like, what? And then they go, hold on, let's just draw a model. Posture. Yeah, but I was like, why would that matter? Are they looking at the phone? Exactly, but it was, no, no, nothing to do with their attention. Completely with like Physical confidence, at trust. I, I, now yeah. that we look at it, confidence elements. So they got a model, they draw it, like, okay, the feet walk, la la, I knew it. Just a stick bat, yeah. that's a business move. That's like a successful business, that dude makes money, that person looks 
like they've got their life together. Then you look at the person they rob, gotcha. Looks like a really depressed teenager who's really emotionally angsty and moody and just won't yeah. stick up for themselves. But they couldn't, like, in individual elements, like, I don't know what's going on. Mm. All it is is when you approach them, if that confident person breaks and now looks like the victim, they're a victim. Yeah. But if you attack them, you threaten them, and they remain calm, they look the exact same, same confidence, you will then go, uh-oh. Mm. That threat should have broken you. It didn't break you. Oh no, they called your bluff. There's um, there's a film coming out which I'm just telling everyone about, Sound of Freedom. It's like I was saying at the beginning, child trafficking. Uh, we're probably not going to add that part in. But um, child trafficking, <laughs> true story. An agent, the Homeland Security, gave up his job, sold his house, mortgaged his house, I should say, and went to save children, right? But when they interviewed the pedophiles of all, even the people who steal children off the street. In America, like suburban streets, what is it that they look for? We wouldn't go after that child because the dad is engaged with what's around him. And if we even try, not only are we gonna get caught, but he's gonna destroy us. We can tell by his posture, he's engaged versus we're at a fate and we're watching all the things and both parents are more engaged with this than their four-year-old right next to them. And the four-year-old suddenly gets distracted, gone. Because of, they, they look for the weakest link. And we want to make sure that we are not the weakest link. And it doesn't take much to change hmm. that not mentality. A not a lot. It really could happen within a few weeks hmm. if you let it. And that's the tricky part. They have to, actually, we were just talking about this in class. Uh, one of our coaches, Coach Wilson, ran a fundamentals class mm. and we worked breakfalls. Yes. <clears throat> Essentially a technique to help you hit the ground safer. Now, I'll give you all you need to know about breakfalls. They are unpleasant, 100%. You have to <laughs> slap your arm into the ground to dissipate force. Mm. Your fingers tingle. Like imagine just slapping the floor as hard as you could. It's a matted floor, but still. I've done the best breakfall. Tell your story in a minute, but I've done the best break for the world has ever seen. Well, there you go. Right, but go. Um, your arm hurts, your back hurts, you get winded momentarily. Yeah. Absolutely. It's not pleasant. When I started, I avoided breakfalls for a year and a half. I played guard. I'm never going to get taken down. <laughs> I, I played on my back on the floor so I would never have to hit the ground because I hated it. Yeah. But the security I lost was long term, I can't hit the floor safely. For that first year and a half, I fell down mm. the stairs, I nearly died. Yes. But Coach Wilson has these crazy demonstrations because it was very largely emphasized in his martial arts journey. He can quite literally, and he's done this before, he climbs on me. I'm like six foot two. Climbs on me, mm. jumps off of my back, yeah. onto his back, straight to the ground, slaps the floor real hard. In conversation, there's not a single moment of, ugh, he's fine. Yep. And he was talking to everyone, guys, I have done my shoulder. In competition, right, I fell badly. This mm. is for me, the security is important. He has had issues in the past as well, la la. You fall incorrectly, you take out your AC joint, your shoulder joint, your shoulder socket. A, it's excruciating pain, and yeah. B, it's months of rehabilitation. Or we can practice have uncomfortable our finger, here. Or we can have our fingers tingle. Yeah, yeah. And then we're safe. And that is something that a lot of people I feel represents the same thing. Aggressive training partner, same sort of deal. Yeah. It's a little bit of uncomfortable, because it's not it gets that bad if yeah. it was really really bad it's just being confronted with something that in that moment intimidated you and you just don't want exactly i don't come here to be confronted well actually exactly you do well let's think should we or should we not we should and that's essentially like the honestly to me the fundamental question of what a white belt is mm. is when people say it's the belt of survival <laughs> yeah you're surviving the confrontations trust me you're not trying to beat them yet mm -mm. you're just getting through them what is it like when someone's too aggressive? What is it like when someone's gee smells? Like people think <laughs> well, that's- they fart in your face. Yeah, people think that's like, oh, ha, ha, that's so funny, that wouldn't bother me. No, but Trust me, most people, they get someone that smells and go, I can't train with that guy, he smells. Mm. Sorry, I'll choke you unconscious with a clean ghee and that's where you that's draw the okay. line. <laughs> like, I can simulate murder on you, but once it's a little smelly, no. I swear, I, just, I can't do this. No, of course, no, there's a hygiene element, don't get me wrong but that's always an opportunity to endure, to push yourself mm. into that discomfort. Yeah. Oh, I don't like this person, they talk too much. Little things like that. Just train or communicate to them the issue. Hey, can we stop talking?
right? It's not that bad. It's wrong. Oh, this person always smashes me because they're only good at one move. Well, then get good at defending that move. So what you're telling me no is options. you have the best partner ever to practice one, one thing? One thing on? Amazing. Yeah, totally. Right? You have all these opportunities. But then by saying that to them, it might be an excuse, but at the same time saying that to them, it unlocks their brain. They're like a dog bites onto something and mm. it just can't get out of that attack mode. Yeah. Right? Until you distract it, maybe with whatever. It's like these things for people who've just started their journey, they need to be able to talk to someone who is further ahead and you redirect their thought, you know, and make them question, huh? and they go, yeah, you're right. Sometimes you succeed, sometimes you fail. Mm. They leave, they stay, doesn't matter. But definitely sometimes they have questions and then Oh, you, absolutely, you and that's, ask, what, that's what we want the podcast for, right? To help them deal with these questions. Because of course, there's always gonna be lines. you can't answer everything on the mats. Exactly, there's always gonna be lines like, oh, someone's geese smell a lot. Don't get me wrong, their geese shouldn't be smelly forever. No. Right? But of course, I can understand someone didn't know, the messaging didn't reach them, they're not aware they're meant to wash their gear all the time. Every time. Yeah, and then they go, oh, okay, cool. You let them know the coach speaks to them, problem solved. Yeah. But that's not a reason to not train. Well, don't make a mountain of a moment. Exactly, right? That's In the long scheme of things, it's a very small thing. Yeah. Little things like this. And in that sense, that's what, we actually had a song, uh, me and my professor, uh, when we used to try and make competition teams for adults. This is great. Back in the year, listen to it. Oh man, it was uh, back at like five years ago, six years ago. The gym wasn't as big, and it was always very hard to get consistent training partners. And we'd always go, I wonder why so and so is not here today. And we'd go, It's too hot, it's too cold, Game of Thrones came out, <laughs> or you know, yes, they I've can't break the, the mold. Whatever is raining here, it was always that. There's only five people. Is it hot? Versus is it 30. cold? Is the Game of Thrones out? You never know, right? Yeah. But at the end of the day, those are really small things. Mm. You know, like there are much yeah. bigger reasons to come to training if this is the thing that we want it to be. Yeah. And I think a lot of people miss that. And some people might even say, oh, but I only come for fitness. Okay, let's just switch the context. You go to the gym. I don't like going to the gym because like uh, myself, I don't like being around that many people. Like they look at me, it makes me feel uncomfortable. Yeah. I'm probably making a, mole, a mountain out of a molehill, aren't I? Yeah. Like that's not a big thing. No. And not at all, actually. It's, People are gonna look at me everywhere. Look at me jiu-jitsu. Why do I not care here, but I care over there? In every journey that you decide to go on, oh, I'm, I'm here because I wanna relax and calm down. If you go to yoga, and one of the ladies at yoga, one of the guys at yoga is a bit too lippy. You know, they just talk too much, they have a bit of a bad attitude. Mm. Oh, I don't like, I'm not gonna go train. I'm not gonna go to yoga. It goes everywhere you are. And I think that's where a lot of people, because we're a martial art, they think that we're being too hard on them. Mm. Where it's like, oh, you know, it's just because these martial arts guys are always about fighting and trying to put up with, I'm not here to test myself and improve, I just want to have a good time. Yeah, everywhere you go, that's gonna be the same recurring problem. And this is what I meant by, you have this story in your head, and no matter what, jiu-jitsu, oh, you know what, I left jiu-jitsu because that coach was telling me that I needed to like push myself and stuff, and I don't want any of that. Mm. What do you think is gonna happen when you go to the gym? Yeah. Or when you go to, well, it's just as you have kids and you, you can I want to play soccer. You're going to have to overcome that at some point in your life. It's not yeah. something you get to live with forever or it's going to cause you a lot of a lot suffering. Of a lot of suffering. Because mm -hmm. you're not actually facing that issue. You're not building your own security. You're running away from problems that would have helped you with that. Big time. And that's why it's always very difficult to tell people this because I have to be the bearer of bad news a lot of the time. Like, oh, I don't want to do it. And I have to kind of go, Let's talk about why. And like, yeah. why does it matter why? It because really I think, matters why. Because I really think that it would serve you better if if you stayed and we could work through this. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying if it's on your own. I am 100% here to help you through yes. this. That's like, I'm only here because I've had so many, man, I've been here, what, nine years now? Started when I was a kid, right? Mm. Like, young, 15. 16. 15, 16 years mm. old, young, young. And I know I'm disagreeable. Right? I'm, this is not a point up for contention. My, me and my partner did a big a personality test, I think it's called the Big Five. Yes. It's got, uh, you know, how conscientious you are, yeah. how agreeable you are, I think there's three other ones. The big one for me was disagreeableness. Agreeableness, how well you agree with people, if you get along, get alongable with, let's mm. just say. You know? And I scored in the top two percentile of disagreeableness. I would love As to do that test. intense, direct, straightforward, I don't sugarcoat my feelings, I'm very vocal about them, as you can get. Like very little regard for other people's opinions. Mm. I was a teenager, but still that's very goddamn high. 
Your parents would have loved you. They loved me. For three years, I was essentially raised by people at this gym mm. who are willing to give me the time of day, who are willing to you know, forgive me for my shortcomings and help build me because they've been in the same spot in their life and they know that like, oh, it's a phase. He's, I see the kid, he means well. Mm. He's just very opinionated right now and they helped me. They, I had no right. I did not deserve, I did not earn yeah. that much goodwill. And that has very much taught me the same way I can only be where I am now because of the goodwill of strangers across my life, I plan on being that goodwill for everyone that comes through our doors. Every single person. I, man, it's very hard to piss me off or make you, me hate you, etc. Because I know that no one here is really trying to do me like ill. No. Everyone just has their own life. And my job is just to help them try and navigate it. That's yeah. it. I have jujitsu as my tool, my vehicle, and I have my ultimate objective of helping them overcome themselves, mm, right? Mm. They have their own things in their mind that are stopping them from getting to where they want to be. That's it, that's all I'm paid to do, is just to come here, give you the two classes, and help you stay on that journey so that you can get the most out of it. Yeah. That's what I'm gonna be here for. So when people hear this, they're kinda like, oh, but that sounds really scary and daunting. Don't worry, I have messed up every single way that's physically possible over the last 10 years. Don't you, I have tried my best. <laughs> I'm real good at messing up. Here's but that question. means, sorry, go for it. There's an idea that just popped into my head while you're talking about all that, about shopping around. Mm. And I was, I was coming, I was thinking like, okay, like one should always kind of maybe go to, I don't know, there's maybe five jujitsu schools around this kind of area down towards Marubra and everywhere else. Mm -hmm. And I'll probably say to someone, you know, shop around, like find which one makes you feel engaged, encouraged, welcomes but also trains hard but then thought just popped what if it becomes too difficult at this one or i'm going to go uh, to another one and, and hope it's not as difficult Ooh, so it. the thought is this is a martial arts it's not just about self-defense it's about self-discovery but it, every single school is going to be hard but you should still you know just because we're part of this organization doesn't mean we're going to be the right fit for what someone is looking for yeah absolutely that's your personality but the common denominator will be it should be hard we're not giving out stripes and belts just because you've been here we're giving it because you've achieved a standard and that standard is done through difficulty you've progressed you've progressed mm. and you've grown and you've shown it and um so i'll be like don't shop around to find if you like the school, but mm. guess what? All of them are gonna be challenging. Well, this is the thing that I think is really important for a lot of people. I agree that everyone should shop around, and I think it's very hard to classify something as good or bad without an intentional goal behind it. Yeah. As an example, like, oh, all kids should learn swimming. That's a good skill to have. What is the intention? Because if, if you live in the middle of Australia, there's no water near you. Swimming is next to useless. Like what skill does that help you at all? Is it? Uh, oh no, my goal is I want to prepare my kid to live the best life. Oh, so skills where they don't die are important. Swimming is important then. That may, like, it becomes good because of that. Whatever you want to start with. If you want to start jiu-jitsu because you want to you know, be a competitor and you want to push yourself to the max and you want to go all in. And you get to a gym and they don't have a competition team and they don't have anyone that's there to help challenge you. Okay, that gym may not be for you. I'm not saying jujitsu is bad, I'm not saying that gym is yeah, bad. exactly. Those two things are dependent on your context. If, for example, if you go to a gym and you say, I don't want to compete, I just want to have a good time. Uh, as an example, uh, my partner, right? Mm. Female, doesn't want to, refuses to compete no matter how hard I try, right? I just want to have a good time with my friends, build some fitness and take this journey at my own pace. Yeah. If this gym were only focused on competition, she got there and she's getting ragnolled around day mm. one, everyone there is going to kill, that's not a bad gym. Some people would kill for that to environment. To be in that environment. But for her, that's not what she's looking for to begin with. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, everyone's journey starts somewhere, and I don't get to choose where it starts. No. I just get to dictate once it has begun, then you keep going. Now, if that gym stops serving that ultimate goal, mm. that's where you're going to find a problem. And this yeah. is why I'm so very big on, I want to try help everyone that comes to my doors, no matter what their issue is because if someone to come, oh, I want to be a competitor. Great, that is something that I as a coach should be able to service. 
oh, I want to have a really good time learning, you know, like the, let's say the body mechanics and the art form jiu-jitsu. I should be able to help that as well. That should, like, with kids is the best example for me. Yeah. Kids come in for a bunch of different reasons. My par- parents my come parents in from... My parents told me to come. My parents told me to come. <laughs> my kid's being bullied horribly. Yes. I need them to get better. Oh, my kid's really struggling to make friends at school. Like, that's a completely different reason yeah. than bullying, right? Those are universes apart. But as a coach, I can't just go, oh, well. <laughs> we only cater towards this, sorry. Exactly. My job is to help everyone that I can that comes through my doors. My vehicle is jiu-jitsu. That doesn't change that the reason they come is different. Now, if I change how I operate the business, as an example, mm. right, I only start teaching anti-bullying. That's not bad by no. any sh- I'm helping the people getting bullied. But then the person who wants to have fun or the person that wants to make more friends might not be getting what they first came here for, and that's when then I think you should start looking to change the direction of where you're going. But that's why I think people need to be told. Like, I, I get people coming here, oh yeah, I, I want to be more resilient. But then they'll say things like, that person was too aggressive, or that gi was smelly, or... I mean, I heard it last night. Ex- right? Yeah. Like, oh, break falling kind of tingles my arm. I'm, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying it won't. I, I get it, absolutely. At the start, like when you're born, opening your eyes hurts. You hurt so much you cry, because yeah. you've never been pushed past that. Yeah. But we're here to guide you on that journey, so you get what you want. But that's going to take a little bit of uncomfortable along the way. Now, in the grand scheme of things, there was a great uh, Instagram post that's been going around where it's, uh, marriage is hard. Divorce is hard. Eating healthy is hard. Obesity is hard. Mm. Uh, this sort of this sort of notion, like um, what is it? Um, working nine to five is hard. Mm. Being an entrepreneur is hard. Pick your heart. It's all hard, right? Pick your heart. Because if you get to choose between being, oh, I have you know marriage, I have my exercise, I have my you know entrepreneur job, whatever. Those are absolutely still going to be hard. Yeah. But at least it might be going towards what you wanted in the first place. Don't get me wrong. If you want to not care about fitness, you don't want to have a partner, you don't want to have uh, like you know the stress of work and all that, mm. and that's your choice. That's the hard you've chosen. That's your choice. Yeah. But don't fall into it because you didn't want to push yourself or try to do the other ones that you wanted to do. And that's kind of where the problem lies. Yeah. Like my dad's a great example. My dad and I struggle to get along at times because I'm so all in, and he is as balanced as they come. He is just a very well-balanced, head on his shoulders man. He knows exactly what he wants. Mm. And some would say he's not really ambitious because he's achieved everything he wanted to achieve. Yeah. But he lives his life the same way I do, exactly the way he wants, right? But that is a bit of a gut. No one could force him to work out. Because he goes, no, 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 don't get me wrong. I'm not working out because I tried and I was weak. He used to be a um, uh, mountain bike yeah, yeah, guy. Yeah. And he would do things like the equivalent, I think it was like 70 kilometers, mm. uh, one way trips on the weekend all the time back when he was in Colombia. He goes, no, no, I've done it. Don't get me wrong. I know I could do it again. Yeah. I don't want to. Because that right. benefit's not there. Oh, right. why aren't you pushing for a promotion? Because I don't want to. Yeah. Like this is not me going, oh, I should be making money. No, no, I'm happy and content exactly where I am. Yeah. And I'm gonna stay there. And in that sense, I am the same. I am just not happy and content with where I am, so I must be pushing towards something greater. Mm. And for him, he goes, no, I'm willing to, for example, some things, he's willing to go to a therapy and have very intense chats with me, which I know are uncomfortable for him, because they're uncomfortable for me. Mm. But that is something where he's not happy where he is. He wants to be better there. So he's willing to put up he's with He's all that. in. Right? My dad is all in on what he does, but he's very careful. My dad, before anything else, is a family man. And I have yeah. nothing but respect for him. Yeah. When he was at, uh, when he first came to Australia, I still, oh, it makes me tear up every time. He, I was born, he was studying his master's degree. He would work full time as an architect, mm. do his master's at night, come home, and then spend two hours with me just holding me in his arms. Yeah. Which means he would sleep three to four hours a day for the entire duration of his degree. Mm. Right? So at least a year, a year and a half. Why? Because what he's willing to go for is what he wants. He wants to be a family and he wants to provide for his family, care for his family. Beyond that, dude's pretty chill. Yeah. Right? Like, I don't see a point in pushing for this unnecessarily because I don't like the, the benefit of it isn't there for me. But that's the thing of once you go through a, uh, what would you call it? The fires, mm. right? You know that it's only going to be for a season because exactly. you've already been through it. Exactly. So I might be really stressed with some stuff going on right now. But I've been through that same level of stress in different circumstances before, so I know I'll, I'll get through it. 
It doesn't mean I'm not still absolutely freaking out, but I'm a little duck. My feet are paddling, but you just see me coasting through life. And that's something that I think is really big for us people, because when they come here, no one comes here to me at least and is going, yeah, I'm completely happy with my life, and uh, this is just like a cool little side hobby. If ever you see me do that, right? Oh, are you, Lex? I'm really good. Thanks. Yeah. How are you? Right, no Lex, one's what's wrong? Exactly. No one's coming to me like perfectly content with their lives and is not looking for a fun little side hobby. Yeah. Right? And if that's the case, there's definitely something to be said. In those cases, man, maybe you don't have to push yourself that hard. Yeah. I don't know. But from what I've seen, people are coming here going, I want the discipline of martial arts. I want the, uh, I want the <laughs> discipline of martial arts. I want the focus of martial arts. I want the energy and fitness of martial arts. I want all of those amazing qualities. Yeah. Those qualities of martial arts come with the price tag of those qualities, right? Yeah. Even through martial arts, if you want to get them anywhere else, you think you're going to get fit and strong doing anything else and it's going to be easy as well? No, you got, there's a reason we're avoiding the gym because it sucks, right? But at least yeah. this way, we don't have to feel like it's exercise the whole time. <laughs> but that's yeah. something we have to be very keenly aware of throughout the whole period. We are going to have to put up with those hurdles and deal with them. Doesn't mean that, you know, they're getting comfortable, but we can do it. Oh, 100%. I, be I believe in all of you. You guys have got this. If I can do it, and I was an abs, over-the-top, arrogant, snot-brained, little weak, feeble child, you got it. You're better than me. You can do it. Amen. Amen.